everybody, welcome to the Michael Finkley Show. I'm Michael Finkley. Today is Wednesday, August 5th, 2020. Y'all, this month is moving along. We're still waiting on nobody. Alright, so let's get with it. <laughs> if you have not already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Michael Finkley Show, and ring that bell for notification, and you will receive an email from us about a new uploads for our channel. Now, y'all, my shirt. Remember my guest, um, Justin Brown, the comedian? Well, Justin, I got my shirt. Thank you. Um, so, and it's a really, really cool design, too. Like, if you're trying to lift it up a little bit, you know. Um, it's like the Ninja Turtles, remember that? Yeah, coming out of the, the manhole. It was really, really, really cool. So, again, thank you, Justin, for my shirt. And if you haven't already, please, 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 please um, listen to his podcast, okay? Listen to his podcast. They talk about new and old movies. Okay, input is needed. Let's welcome. All right. So again, thank you for my shirt. I really appreciate it. Now on today's show, we have former NFL player Marcus Ogden with us, and he's going to talk about his life in the NFL and also things that he's been working on outside of the NFL life after the NFL. Okay, so the show you don't want to miss. All righty, please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Next, we chat with former NFL player Marcus Ogden. We'll be right back. On the next Michael Finkley, Monday. Hey, Mr. School Counselor, what's going on, everyone? That's right, Mr. School Counselor himself, Nelson Sanchez, is with us as he talks about how he's preparing the next generation for college. Don't you dare miss the next Michael Finkley. for coming back and so today we have former nfl player we have best-selling author we have speaker consultant none other than marcus Ogden with us today marcus thank you so much for being on how you doing michael thanks for having me on my friend yes sir thank you for being on we appreciate you yes sir so marcus take us back to your childhood you were raised by your father correct that's correct. We were raised by our, our single father, Cheryl Philip Ogden, who raised me and my brother Jonathan Ogden. My brother Jonathan Ogden is a was the first draft pick of the Baltimore Ravens in 1996, yeah. and he's actually one of the top 100 football players of all time, first battle Hall of Famer. And I tell everybody, being raised by a single father, it was very interesting because we learned a lot about self-respect dignity, respecting women, but most importantly, Michael, we learn a lot about education over sports. My dad played football at Harvard University uh, where I went to college, but he didn't say, hey boys, go get into football. Like, you know, I feel sometimes parents like push their kids to play sports where our dad said, hey, if you wanna play, you go play, I'll support you. Don't, you don't wanna play, that's fine too. You don't, I don't worry about it. But our father just was a man of integrity, high character, impeccable morals, and he always, Michael, supported his boys from day one, no matter what we did. Awesome, that's so great. Um, having that father figure in, in your life to bring that to you, that's very important, especially in a young male's life. That's very important. Um, yeah. So talk about, have you always, because of your father, were you a fan because of football because of your father? Oh, absolutely. But honestly, I became more of a fan because of my brother. My brother is almost seven years older than me. So okay. as I was in school, 
he was in high, well, I was in elementary school, he was in high school, and I got a chance to see how he enjoyed football, what it brought to him, the fun, the camaraderie, the teammates. So I developed a love of football from watching my brother play the sport and being able to be around his friends and teammates when I was a young, you know, child, you know, like I said, maybe nine or 10 years old, watching to see what he did and how he performed the game at a high level from high school all the way through he uh, retired from the National Football League. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Okay. So you had that figure as well. So oh, yeah. Howard, HBCU pride. I went to Allen University in Columbia, South Carolina, HBCU. Okay. Um, so talk about that experience. I know that, you know, when you go to college, you see so much, you're exposed to so much. How was that life for you? Oh, man, it was amazing. Uh, being a uh, a full scholarship athlete to Howard, getting an offer, you know, I redshirt as a freshman, 1998. I, I started as a redshirt freshman, 1999, until I graduated there in 2002. But for me, Howard taught me a lot about diversity, inclusion. It taught me a lot about how to respect different cultures. People that were there from like Jamaica, Papua New Guinea, uh, from the mainland of Africa. I mean, we just had so many people come. Again, African-American, Caucasian, Hispanic, but the African-American diversity from different continents and different parts of the world really taught me a lot, Michael, about how to like really respect cultures and kind of got, it gave me a great head start to life. So as I grew older as an, and became an adult and became a man who took care of responsibilities and paid his mortgage and his, all this type of stuff, I learned a lot about these cultures from at Howard, which helped me become more well-rounded as I got into life after college. Gotcha. And that's what college is supposed to do, right? It's not supposed to assist only with your educational aspect, but also with your social, spiritual, like the overall well-being. You're supposed to change in four, to, in four years. Oh, absolutely. It's like you, you should evolve into a person that at least has some idea what you want to do in life. If things change and or you pivot, fine, but at least what you want to do is like for me, I got to college, I was studying, um, I want to become a, a doctor. I was in, mm -hmm. I was in, in biology, pre-med. I realized after my first year, Michael, that wasn't for me. And I shifted to business, into business finance, which was for me. So again, college should be able to teach you a lot. It's like, I call that crossroads between, you know, uh, you know, adolescenthood and adulthood. And if you can use those four or five years to perfect yourself, learn how to better yourself, and how to become more of a person who allows inclusion, different thought processes, you should leave college or your, your university better than you came in. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like if you haven't, you waste your time and your money. <laughs> That's just my thing. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. <laughs> oh, wow. So, Marcus, I must ask this question, though. HBCU, they have them all, fraternities and sororities. Did you pledge? I did not. I, football was so time-consuming, and there was a lot with workouts and training that, you know, I had, I had, I had a few teammates that, that really found the time and the, and the passion to do it, but mm -hmm. I was just so much into – trying to do internships during my collegiate time and 
football and making it a, a top priority in my life that I decided to not pledge. I have a lot of friends that did, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. I got you. There's still time, though. I'm just saying. All right. I'm just saying. The black and gold. I'm just saying. It's still time. Okay. I got you. I got you. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, your, your, um, your hard work really paid off. When did the NFL come knocking at your door? The NFL came knocking, Michael, uh, after really during like my junior season when uh, near the end I had some scouts come out from like the Texans, the Colts, the Ravens, the Jaguars, the Browns, um, you know, all over. And then that's when I really realized as I was going into my last year that I had a real chance of becoming a uh, NFL athlete. So I dedicated that last year of college, you know, all football. I mean, of course, I did my classwork and my and all that stuff, but I dedicated to lifting. I went to a bowl game, went to the Hula Bowl in Maui. As a matter of fact, my head coach is now the head coach at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, Mac Brown, who coached me in 2003 Hula Bowl. And I put everything I had and gave 100%, 110% into my craft. And it paid off. I mean, it was a gamble because you never know if you're going to get drafted. You never know if you're going to get invited to camp. I mean, like, you know, yeah, we call, I mean, if you're like, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence from, from, from Clemson, you know you're going to be a top number one pick. But you don't know you come from a small college and you're trying to work your way up the draft boards. I mean, you don't have any idea. So I put everything into it and I worked my tail off, Michael, and I got drafted um, in 2003 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow, that's amazing. How did you feel at that moment when oh, you said, amazing. I accomplished this? I did well, this. You know when you see your name, Michael, come across the screen on ESPN, you're like, wow. It's real. <laughs> All my blood, sweat, and tears, everything paid off. And as a result of that, it literally got me to where I want to be. Oh, that's amazing. So life in the NFL, can you describe it? What's it like? <sighs> It's a life of hard work. It's a life of dedication to your craft. It's a life of giving up part of your life in order to do a job that you love. Mm -hmm. But it's also very rewarding financially. It's also very rewarding from a standpoint, people knowing who you are. And it's got good and bad, like anything else. But I tell everybody, making it to the NFL is one thing, Staying in the NFL is something mm. totally, totally different. Mm. Totally different. There you go. There you go. And how long did you actually stay with them? Almost, I was in the I was the Jaguars for one, two, for two years, and then mm -hmm. I played the National Football League as a total for almost six years. And gotcha. Jaguars, Ravens, Bills, Titans, and yep. it was nice. It was it was it was good, but it's just like I tell everybody. It's a ton, a ton of work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so life after the NFL, you had some highs and you had some lows. Talk about those high moments. So the high moments was I, you know, after I took about six months to stop feeling sorry for myself and being an alcoholic and a pain-popping individual and a individual that just felt sorry for himself all the time, I found a construction business. I created, it was called Caden Premier Enterprises. 
It's the cross between my niece and my nephew's name. That's how I came up with Caden. And we became, we started at zero at the bottom, got a partner, built a culture. We became the largest African-American subcontractor in the city of Baltimore uh, and the state of Maryland, Michael, in the area of site work. So earthwork, grading, stone, utilities, sediment control, that's what we did. We became the top and, you know, we had a ton of great clients that were non-minority. Uh, we worked for like Johns Hopkins Hospital, downtown Baltimore, and we grew a massive organization. I was a very successful individual. I worked a lot. I, I, I put a lot of time in. But unfortunately, as the company grew, Michael, so did my ego. And as my ego grew, I got very, very, uh, shall we just say, uh, super pompous. Mm -hmm. And I got very just like my way or the highway. I had, I had what I call now a fixed mindset mm -hmm. where if you didn't agree with me, Michael, you were gone. Yeah. That's how I felt. And you, that's what I did. Uh, how did you know that your ego was bigger than life? When did you actually realize that point? I realized that after I lost my company and I filed a chapter seven bankruptcy in 2013, and I had my pivotal moment, I was working so I, and so basically my ego grew bigger than an Empire State Building. I ended up uh, you know, having a culture, Michael, of my employees doing the same thing. And what happened was I ended up becoming my own worst enemy. And then my best employee started to leave. So at the end of 2012, I spent about two and a half to $3 million of my money and the company's money in less than 90 days. What? Did it. I spent it on a job trying to fix an issue where our job site would not dry. And I spent it on payroll, equipment, material. It was $100,000 every week, pretty much for nine, for not for 30, for, for 90 days. You know, it's all the time. Hundreds, so basically looking at about, you know, close to, basically close to a million dollars a month, give or take, every week, every week, every week. 400,000, that's just in payroll. Then another probably 600,000 or between four, 600,000 on material and just insurance and just equipment costs and stone and grading, you name it. It was just out the door. And what happened is my, the owner and developer and GC denied my change order. I went bankrupt. And so I moved from Baltimore in April 2012. My God, I was a multimillionaire. April 2013, I moved to Raleigh. I have $400 to my name. Mm -hmm. That's it. Home foreclosed on. Both cars repossessed in the same day. Wow. I got here. I was working at Merrill Lynch. After two months, I fired all my fault. Got a job to a construction company. The next day, got a company truck, phone, laptop, first week's pay fired me five days later. They shut down the parts division of that organization. The right. only job I could get, along with coaching football to the youth, is a side business or as a side hustle. I wasn't a businessman. I didn't know how to run a business, really. I was just like, pay me so I could just stay alive. I took a job as a custodian because my, my clients were not coming as consistently and fluidly with the fact that it was football season. 
So I took a job as a custodian, uh, Michael, for $8.25 an hour in September 2013. Worked from 10 p.m. till 5 a.m. from September 2013 until March of 2014. And the question you asked, when did I realize I had my ego had gotten so big? When I had my pivotal moment and I realized that, wow, oh my goodness, literally, I am about to be here the rest of my life because I have no accountability. And that's what happened to me. And I said, okay, I've got to turn this around. I've got to go. But I realized that my ego had gotten bigger than my way of life at that moment. And that's why my company went bankrupt. Yep. Literally at that moment. Yep. And picking up someone's trash, you like, this is why. Well, when someone's trash got on my bare skin, my clothes, my body, that's when I realized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why like, I got to change. Oh. And that's what happened. Wow. So I, I can imagine that at that moment when that light bulb went off, your thinking changed. Oh, yeah. My, my thinking got to be that accountability and ownership has to be my number one priority and my number one foundation to succeed. If I don't take ownership of my life starting today, I will never, ever, ever reach where I want to go. And that's how it all came about. And that's how it started. Wow. I'm glad it started for you. So when did you see the the fruits of your labor um, (laughs) begin to change that mindset and change that way of thinking? Well, to tell you the truth, Michael, I didn't get a paid speaking job for two and a half years. Two and a half years, I didn't get a paid speaking job. And then as soon as I did, I realized that my life had been one of always wanting to help others, right? But I was more fixated on the dollar and not the person or I was fixated on the fiscal transaction, not the human being value that that needed to add. And so that's when, when I started to change and I started to see fruits of my labor, it was really around 2018. And when I started to put people first and then my needs second. As a result of that, people met their needs and then I started to, of course, meet my needs as an individual. But 2018 was really my wake up year where I said, man, I've got to put people first before what I need or what I want out of life. Wow, that's amazing. And as you woke up, you wrote some awesome books. And when we come right back, we're going to talk about the success cycle. Coming up, we talk about the success cycle. We'll be right back. The Finkley Experience is an education and consulting firm that specializes in first-generation education. We assist parents and their students with the college process. We train school administrators, and we also partner with colleges and universities to assist with their first-generation population. To learn more about our consulting firm and to purchase our book and workbook, please visit our website at thefinkleyexperience.com. Marcus Ogden with us and I tell you a story like no other it's very relatable very relatable and he's 
and his awesome book as well, The Success Cycle. Um, Marcus, I had an opportunity to view some of your videos on, on YouTube, and I tell you, in your book, it is just amazing. And some things that really stood out to me, chapter 10, uh, when you talk about motivation versus inspiration. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that for us, please? So to me, Michael, motivation is when you do something with, because of an external force or you see something that you want and that's driving you. So like you take a job for the money. Like I said earlier in our interview, when I was working as a coach and a speaker, I was so focused on money, pay me, make a living, become the next Tony Robbins. And that's why I got nowhere. Now I'm inspired, which means from within me, I want to help as many people as possible achieve a high level of success. In the book, I talk about you have yourself who has two legs, money has four legs. If you try to chase money, you'll mm -hmm. never catch up. If you live a good holistic life going down a good path, walking the right way, money has enough legs to catch you. So that's the difference. Be inspired to make a systemic, lifelong, real change, not just motivated for the short-term outside external reward and or potential gain. I love it. I love it. And you also talk about, too, that model. You know, uh, if you're looking to model after someone that has been in the game maybe a few years more than you have, um, and you, you mentioned um, Les, Les Brown. And a lot of people try to, you know, mock him and his image, but he has 40 plus, plus years, years, right? You know, so I'm going to mock. I'm glad you said that. And it put me in perspective. I'm like, I'm going to mock. I'm going to, Marcus is it now or for me. Marcus is it for me. I'm going to, you know, he has a few years on me. So I can look at that as an example. Well, it, you know? it makes it, there's strategic plans, which is your long-term 30,000 per foot view. And you have your tactical plan, your every day, day by day, week by week, what you need to do to get to your end result or your end goal. Mm -hmm. So many people want the strategic planning is easy to create because it's beautiful, it's pretty. You're in the airplane looking down, you see farmland, you see beautiful you know, grass, you see right. waterfall stream, you get down on the ground. It could be a dirty field full of trash and muck. It could be a, a stream that has all kinds of, uh, you know, improper or really horrible things in the water and you have to clean it. That's where I feel most people struggle. Everybody wants to paint the long-term, big, pretty, big picture view. But very few of us want to actually paint and execute the tactical, everyday, week-by-week week necessity things that we must accomplish to achieve the strategic end goal. So strategic is your long-term vision, and then tactical is your short-term, everyday execution things you need to strategically and put into place and get done to get to where you want to go. I love this. Oh. Sir, where were you five years ago? Uh, good Muga. So you mentioned some awesome, other awesome things as well, as in values will be a habit. You gave the example of um, you exercising, 
You yep. know, it's what you value and what you value becomes that overall habit. Absolutely. If you if you value something like if you if you value good health, right, one of your habits will be to exercise consistently. If you value, you know, being the best you can be, your habit will be to do what you need to get done every day, no matter what you face to get to your end result. This is what they say. The, one of my one of my clients, his name is uh, Robert, Robert Brabo. He says in his book, which I read, that you have your values or behaviors, however you want to identify them, plus time that you take to invest in those values and behaviors to sharpen your skill sets, times the employees of the organization will equal your culture. And this is why I feel a lot of people don't ever reach a healthy culture because it takes time to develop the behaviors, the processes, the values, and I always ask you this question, are your values aligned to what is on your website? The answer is yes, all right. The answer is no, why, right? The, on the right side, the culture will not change unless you go to the left side where the behaviors lie, right? Not gonna happen. Time is not gonna change who you are, right? You either are who you are or you're not who you are, but you have to, evaluate the behaviors and or values and if your culture is not a strong or healthy one something's wrong with the behaviors values part of it and you have to what make adjustments yeah definitely definitely and I, i'm so glad you talk about the cultural aspect because in chapter 13 you talk about building your power team what does that consist of the power team consists of people to help you get things done that you are not good at executing yourself and or you don't need to invest your time to do. Mm -hmm. The human mind, Michael, was designed to do a lot of things. It was not designed to do everything. So if you cannot learn how to delegate tasks, which is a huge part of operational excellence, delegating tasks to the correct team members, you will not succeed. So take me. I'm a good speaker. I can do virtual webinars. I can do presentations. I can coach people. I can do group coaching. I can do consulting. I'm not good at website. I'm not good at content creation. I am horrible at videography work or photo taking. I'm not good at how to trademark our company different slogans or patterns to what? Allow us to make it a product as part of what? our marketing, a part of our, you know, a part of our selling, right? You know, we don't have that. So I'm not good at those things. What do I do? Bring people in that execute and or are good at those items. So that's building a power team. It's surrounding yourself with the right team members to execute the things that you are weak at. So the brand has a chance to flourish and thrive no matter what environment you might be in. Oh, I love this. I love this. And there was a lot more things I had on my list, but I can't go over them all right now. Um, encouraging words. I love to end my segments with encouraging words for viewers out there that strive or are striving to be a success in their own right, because success looks different for everybody. So what can you provide to that person that wants to one day be that speaker, be that author, be that businessman or woman? I'm gonna say it's plain and simple. 
You have to believe it before you see it. Mm. If you don't believe in yourself, your vision, your goals, your aspirations, why in the world would anybody else? So you have to truly believe at the highest level that you are primed for success. And no matter what adversity you face along the way, it's not going to deter you from pursuing your greatness. So again, you have to first believe it before you can see it. Believe it, see it. Because how is he going to achieve it? <laughs> right. I mean, so I'm saying, if you don't believe it yeah. and you can't, you know what I'm saying? If you don't believe it, you're never going to see it. You're not going to achieve it. Because if, and what happens is, Michael, most people don't succeed because they're their own worst enemy. Yeah. Or they yeah. give up too early along the journey and then they never can reach full potential and they do what? Spend their entire lives continuously like a merry-go-round trying to find something to stick to make it work for the quick fix. There is no quick fix. But the ones like the Damon Johns or the Mark Cubans or the Tony Robbins or the Les Browns or the Mel Robbins or you know all these successful people, what do they have in common? They never gave up on their journey that's the difference love it yes sir that is the difference definitely what how can they find you on social media great question they can go to our, our website www.marcus m-a-r-q-u-e-s ogden o-g-d-e-n.com you can find us there or you can shoot us an email marcus underscore ogden at yahoo.com we do keynote speaking and virtual webinars we do group coaching. We do one-on-one -on -one coaching. We do consulting. Of course, we've written several books. And we also, uh, Michael, our audio book just got released last week. Uh, it's on Audible. It's actually been done by a guy named David Zasden, who is an award-winning audio book recording of actor. Did a great job on the book. Brought it to life. Good, in, uh, good infliction, good dictation. He just did a really nice job of making it very visual and this, his, the way he spoke on the audiobook. And again, as I said, and Michael, you know this. So the first book, Sleepless Nights, did pretty well. Our second book, The Success Cycle, is on Amazon Online, Barnes & Noble Online. You can also find it on our website, but it's also in every Barnes & Noble bookstore across the United States in the business section. You know how hard that is to get that achieved. And now Audible, which is owned by Amazon, picked it up and made it an audiobook. So you know how hard that's gotta be. So you can go on audio, you can go there now. It's on if you go to Audible, type in the success cycle, bam, it's right there. But also what we're doing, Michael, is we're gonna be launching in 2021 a subscription model approach. We're gonna have content that's going to come out on our platform it's going to be all on our website you have two options per month it's either 9.95 to have access to up to 13 videos per month each video is going to have a theme like going to be like goal setting networking marketing branding and we're going to have one main video each month and then each week monday wednesday friday you're going to get access to a video no more than two minutes with one quick action tip of the day 
around that theme, period. $9.95 a month. So you're going to have up to almost 30 minutes of content for $10 or less than $10 a month. Or you could pay $14.95, have access to that content along with the Facebook group, along with also what we're doing is with the Facebook group, we're having you have like uh, uh, worksheets that you can download to help you along the way. And we're also coming out with something called the Extreme Ownership Playbook. That's a one-time fee of $19.99. It's a, it's a workbook that you can print, download, and do action steps to help you take ownership of your own life. Again, seven and a half years ago, I was broke, bankrupt, almost homeless. In the last four years, I've worked for 17 Fortune 500 brands as a speaker, trainer, coach, and or consultant. Of the 17, Michael, 10 are Fortune 100, 10. So in the Extreme Ownership Playbook, it creates a blueprint for you. It's a one-time fee of $19.99 to have access to that. And then our ongoing subscription, either $9.95 a month for the videos or $14.95 a month for the videos, plus the Facebook group, plus work down, worksheets you can download around the monthly topic. We're not trying to break anybody. We're trying to add value at a very affordable price. So that'll all be on our website. Again, www.marcus, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S, Ogden, O-G-D-E-N, Michael.com. Well, I'm sorry, MarcusOgden.com. <laughs> you can have my name in there somewhere. <laughs> I love it. You heard it here. Thank you so much, Marcus, for being on. Thank you so much. Absolutely, my friend. I enjoy it. Thanks for having me on. on the next Michael Finkley, Monday. Hey, Mr. School Counselor, what's going on, everyone? That's right, Mr. School Counselor himself, Nelson Sanchez, is with us as he talks about how he's preparing the next generation for college. Don't you dare miss the next Michael Finkley. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Michael Finkley Show. Did you enjoy yourself? Y'all, I know I did. It was like, I told him behind the scenes, did you take some some things from my life and put them in your life it was amazing you know it feels, it feels like a light bulb came on when i was talking with him so truly an inspiration marcus thank you so much for being on he told you how to get his books and his services yo all the information is down below in the description reach out to him if you need so um, and let's talk about it share this information with others okay thank you so much again marcus for being on on the next Michael Finkley, we have Mr. School Counselor himself, um, Nelson Sanchez, is with us, and he's going to talk about his awesome business and also how he's helping the next generation prepare for college. It's a show you don't want to miss. That's on Monday's show. Again, thank you so much for watching. Thank you to all the subscribers, all the viewers, everyone out there that's just been supportive of the Michael Finkley Show. We really appreciate you, and you are making us look good. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to be a guest on the Michael Finkley Show, please email us at michael.thefinkleyexperience.com. Y'all have a good rest of the week, and we'll see you Monday. Have a good one.